right, we're going to start in 2 Timothy this morning. The Lord clearly told me this was my message today, Monday morning at 2 a.m. I was reading my Bible and I came across this verse and the Lord said, there's your sermon for Sunday. And usually doesn't happen that way. I feel the Spirit's urgency on this this morning. He really, really wants you to get this. It's really important for what's coming our way as a church and a state and a nation. So 2 Timothy 3, 13 and 14. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. I don't need to explain to you that evil people are growing worse and worse. Uh, we all know that. Imposters, meaning fake Christians in the specific context of this verse, growing worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Here's Paul at the end of his life, Second Timothy's the last letter he wrote. He knows he's about to die. He's giving his last advice to his main disciple, Timothy. And Paul says, Timothy, look, the world's going to get worse. Evil people are going to get worse. False Christianity is going to get worse. He sees false doctrines and false gospels coming in. And he tells Timothy, you must continue in what I have taught you. And you can be assured that you know the truth because you know me. Paul tells Timothy, you can be absolutely certain that what you believe and know and have been taught is the correct way because you know me. One of the main ways that God has given us as a protection against being led astray by political lies or media lies or religious lies is our relationships with each other. I got people who... Uh, this summer, we're certain Jesus is coming back in a week. And a couple people, really scared, what if I accidentally take the mark of the beast? And I said, you know what? You don't have to figure that out by yourself. We're all in this together. And when it happens, we'll all know together. Hello? You can be assured that you know the truth because... Paul says, you know who taught you. Let me continue giving you a few more scriptures and then, we'll, then we'll, we'll get into the weeds. 3 John 11, beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but imitate what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. John tells his disciples, imitate the people who do it right, and you will get it right. Next one, Hebrews 6.12 says the same thing. We do not want you to become lazy but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. Imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. God's instruction for you, you don't have to figure it all out right up front. You're a brand new Christian, you don't have to, you're not alone in trying to read the whole Bible in three weeks and figure it all out. Just look at the people around you who is actually like Jesus and learn from them and copy them. Imitate those who through faith and patience are inheriting the promises. 1 Corinthians 11.1 1 says, Paul says, imitate me just as I also imitate Christ. That's a really bold thing for him to write. Copy the way I follow Jesus. Well, it's the word of God, so it's true. But that's God's instruction to us is you look around, find the people who are successful in their life and do what they do. Listen to what they say and believe what they believe. 
1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good behavior. Do not be deceived. You cannot hang out with bad people doing bad things and stay good. The opposite is also true, that good company creates godly character. If you hang out with good people who are always challenging you into obeying God, it will change you in the right direction. If you're always hanging out with people who are trying to get you to compromise on obeying God, you're eventually going to give in and you're going to get messed up. But if you're hanging out with good people who are honestly, nobody's perfect, obviously, but they're honestly doing their best to know what God says and what he wants and we're together, we're going to obey God. It's going to shape who you are. It's going to create good character. Amen, Mitch. Good preaching this morning. All right, let's go back to second. Let's go back to Second Timothy three. Evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. Knowing from whom you have learned them. That's the phrase the Holy Spirit wants you to get this morning. Knowing from whom you have learned them. It is vitally important that you know who's teaching you, and that you don't you don't just listen to what that person says, but who they are. You don't have to go on YouTube and listen to every preacher out there and try to figure out what's true. Just find somebody that you know personally who's honestly walking with God successfully and say, how are you doing it? Tell me what I need to know. Come on. Come on. Paul says to Timothy, you know the truth. You won't be deceived because you know me. Okay, so Paul isn't saying, well, Timothy, you've got me around, so when a deceptive doctrine comes along, I will straighten you out. That's not what Paul means. He's not like, I will rescue you from the wolves. Um, he's saying, you know what I taught you, and you know that it works because you know it changed my life. And you know I'm not a hypocrite. You know, I'm really living it out, and it really changed who I was. I used to be a murderer and an insolent man. And you know this is real, and you know it's true, so you won't get led astray by somebody you don't know because you know me. You know my testimony. You know my story. And he says, you must continue. Don't be swayed because you already know the truth. You already know me. You don't have to worry about, well, what if there's something I've missed? What if there's something I don't know yet? Don't worry about it. Do you think Jesus is trying to keep you out of heaven? Come on. It's, it'll be okay. Just continue in what you know from righteous, godly people. When you hear a new idea, Paul tells Timothy, when you hear a new idea that didn't come from me, you don't need to even consider it. If I didn't tell it to you, you don't even need to consider it because you know me. Our instruction is to imitate Christ-like people, hang out with godly people. And you won't go astray, you won't be deceived in your political ideas or your media ideas or your religious ideas or whatever. You will smell an imposter immediately if you're used to hanging out with real Jesus people. Bad company will lead you astray, but good company, godly people, will lead you to God. Listen to me on this. The truth that you know will come from the people that you know. So be very, very choosy who you hang out with. I said the truth that you know will come from the people that you know. So you know certain people who hang out 
in certain political circles or they hang out in certain media circles and that creates their reality because they're told this message over and over and over and over again. And you can see, you can see from the outside that is a blatant lie. These people are deceived. That's not reality. But they're so convinced because they've heard the same message over and over and over and over again because of the people they're hanging out with. The message they're listening to over and over again. Same thing in religious groups. There are people that are just believe preposterous things that aren't the gospel of Jesus Christ and you can say, do you really think you're going to go be a god of your own planet? Like, that's nuts. But because they hear it over and over and over and over again and the people they hang out with, they're just told it's true. It's what they know. Listen to me now, listen to me. In, in spiritual things, in trying to know what's true and what's not, who you know is way more important than what you know. In trying to discern political truth, government truth, media truth, Christian truth, religious truth, who you know is way more important than what you know. Who you hang out with is going to shape what you think and how you behave. If you want to know if some idea or teaching is true and you don't want to be deceived, then look at who is saying it. This is major life wisdom here for you. If, you want, if somebody says something in the media or politics or from the pulpit at church, if you want to know whether that idea is true or not, look at who is saying it. Uh, because of all the predictions that Trump would win the election and be a second-term president that obviously didn't come true, um, a lot of people are disillusioned about prophecy and you know, the church missed it, or church made an idol out of Trump and all this stuff. And so I've had several people want to come and talk to me about prophecies and how do we judge prophets in the New Testament and so on and on. So I had a guy come to me and he says, all right, what is the New Testament standard for judging a prophet? Uh, in the Old Testament, we know if their prophecies didn't come true, they, were, they had to be stoned to death. Getting stoned in the Old Testament is not what it means in 2021 America. All right? There's rocks thrown at their head until they're dead. All right, but... There's a lot in this book in the Old Testament prophets that hasn't come true yet. But we believe it is true. So how do we judge? Because you can't judge every prophet by whether their word happens within three weeks or not. Uh, if somebody comes and says, God told me this, I was praying and he showed me this, or I had a dream, or I got this out of scripture, how do we judge whether they're crazy or whether it's actually God speaking? Well, so we can't judge solely based on whether it comes true or not, because some of these things are a really long time. But if somebody's always claiming crazy stuff that never happens, we can write them off. Obviously, we look at whether it lines up with the Bible. Is it biblical or not? But somebody claiming, God told me Trump's going to win a second term, that's not Bible. It's not yay or nay. You're not going to find that in the Bible. So how do we judge? And I told the guy, I said, outside of something blatantly unbiblical or unfactual, my main way of judging is what's the spirit of the person? Are they all about Jesus, or do they have an agenda? Do they're trying to build their own ministry and get YouTube clicks, or are they? Do they have such blind loyalty to a party that you know this is what they're going to say no matter what is coming true, or they believe the delusional conspiracy theories that are out there? And I'm judging by the per the spirit of the person. 
Right? What is in their heart? Why are they saying this? That's what you judge by. It, who is this person speaking? Because if you have dealt with people who've gotten some crazy religious ideas, you know you can, anybody can make the Bible sound like it says anything they want to make it sound like. I mean, you can cherry pick your Bible verses and make it say just about anything if you want. There was a couple in the church who kind of overnight um, got led astray into some, what I would consider to be a serious error. And I, I told them, you've got your three pages of Bible verses about this new idea that you have subscribed to, and I can answer you with five pages of Bible verses too. said, but that's not going to get us anywhere. I can tell you this, I've lived here for 21 years, and I know that group, and they do not serve Jesus Christ. And this, their fruit is bad, and this is not going to end well. So I refused to argue Scripture. I did, actually. I spent hours trying to convince them that's not what the Bible means. That's not what it says. That's not Jesus. It's legalism, and it will lead you down a bad path. But eventually, I just had to say, look, I know those people. I know that group. Do you see my point? Who we hang out with matters. Who's claiming the message that they think they heard from God or whatever it is in politics and government too. Look at who is saying what they're saying. And you can know immediately whether you need to listen to them or not. Antifa's out in the street screaming obscenities and being lawless and angry and unforgiving and selfish. And some people are like, well, they may have a legitimate grievance. No! Don't listen to anyone who isn't a peacemaker and talking about forgiveness. If they're not like Jesus, do not listen to them. It doesn't matter how factual that you might consider their message to be. If they're not Christ-like and full of faith and wanting to be a peacemaker, do not listen. Because who is saying the message matters. The people who think that abortion is health care are the same people who want a man in my girl's restroom and boys on the field in my girl's sports teams. So because you kill babies, I don't listen to you at all. I automatically write you off. I will not allow you to teach me because of who you are. So I don't care what you say about free health care or free college because I know who you are and how you think. It's antichrist. The character of a person matters. The spirit about the person is of utmost importance to God because on the opposite end of the spectrum of everything I've just said, when God lays out his requirements for church leaders, First and Second Timothy and Titus, three times God makes a list of the requirements of the men who lead the church. And you know what he says? He must be a good husband. He must be a good dad. He must be a good worker. And he must have a good reputation with his neighbors. Absolutely nothing about charisma, spiritual gifts, intelligence, skill, nothing. All that matters is who is the man? What's in his heart? Does he have integrity? Is he like Jesus? Obviously, it would matter if the worship leader can play guitar. It would matter can the preacher actually communicate scripture. All right, that does matter, but that's totally secondary to who is the man? Who is speaking? Who is leading? Who's making decisions? 
Good character, integrity, not intelligence or charisma. Way too many churches put somebody who can sing really well or preach really well or pray really hard on the stage and they wrecked the church because they had a gift but they didn't have it, Jesus in their heart. So, I don't listen to people who are out there preaching anger and hatred, screaming in the streets. But if somebody is Christ-like, has a godly personality that exudes the fruits of the Spirit, that's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control, if the person is like that, I will listen to them even if they're saying something I disagree with. Even if it offends what I think I already know, if that person has Jesus, I better listen up. Come on. We meet every Wednesday for pastor prayer. Senior pastors in town, there are four or five of us that are real regular and a, and a larger group that comes once in a while. And there are guys that I would have pretty big differences with on doctrine and how we should lead a church and what we preach, and, but they've got Jesus. So we get along and we care about each other and we pray for each other and we genuinely bless each other's ministries and churches. Even though we would pretty seriously disagree about some things if we can agree on this is 100% true and Jesus is the only son of God and the only way to salvation, then we can debate the rest as long as we want. We're brothers. Everything else, it, we'll, we'll iron out the wrinkles. Jesus will tell us who's right and who's wrong. doesn't matter. If this is 100% true and Jesus is the only son of God and the only way to eternal life, then it's all, all the rest will get worked out. And the reason I say about those men that I bless them and I love them is because they have integrity. I pray, I pray with them every week, and we have for years, and I know what's in their heart, and I know they genuinely care about the people in LaGrande. They genuinely want to obey Jesus, even though some of them, I would disagree with their decisions. I genuinely love them. Jesus is truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So Jesus is truth. That means that truth is a person. It's not a set of facts that you can learn. If you want to learn truth, it's not learning facts or teachings or you reading a bunch of books or getting on YouTube and listening to a bunch of worship songs and sermons and trying to decide what's right. All you need to do is get to know Jesus and you know truth. Come on. Just, just know Jesus more. Spend more time with him. You personally, spend more time with Jesus, get to know him better. Truth, to know truth, it's a relational thing, not a study thing. I'm not, of course, you know, I don't mean don't read your Bible, but that's the way you get to know Jesus. But you're not trying to learn something. You're trying to know someone. Amen, Mitch. Good preaching. Thank you. But Jesus isn't here in the flesh to tell you whether what you believe is right or wrong. He's not here saying, oh yes, I approve of that and that's wrong. And Paul told Timothy, since Jesus isn't here in the flesh, the way for you to know for absolute certain that you've got it right is that you know me. At some point, you're going to have to trust somebody else's faith and learn their truth. You're not on your own. Like Timothy, at some point you're going to have to trust somebody and listen to how they got where they are. How did they overcome their addiction? How did they get free from their problem? How did they learn who God is? The truth comes by the humility of receiving revelation instead of the pride of, 
I'm going to listen to these eight voices, and then I'm going to choose what's right and wrong. Come on, folks, that's the original sin, is that I know good and evil. So you're here this morning, uh, maybe, apparently, because you think I have something to teach you. Um, maybe some of you got tricked into coming, I don't know. But if I'm your pastor, I have some amount of authority in your life to teach you things you don't know and even things you disagree with. And if I don't make you mad at least a couple times a year, I'm really failing. I ought to tweak your nose fairly regularly because why in the world would you go to a church where you already know and agree with everything? You're not progressing at all. But my authority to speak to you does not come from my learning. It comes from my obedience. And you get to decide that. Do I know Mitch? Does he obey God? And do I want to listen to what he has to say? I can't dictate to any of you anything. You get to decide, do I trust Mitch? If you do, then listen up. If you don't, go to another church. Find someone you can trust who is ahead of you in God, who has gone further and obeyed more and sacrificed more and suffered more and listen to those people. That's the way you're going to learn. That's the way you're going to figure it out. Because Oswald Chambers said this, the golden rule for understanding in spiritual matters is not intellect, but obedience. Don't ever listen to a preacher because he impresses you with how smart he is. Listen to a preacher because he's obeyed more than you. At some point, you're going to have to go to somebody else that's older than you in the Lord, probably older than you in age too, and say, listen, I respect you. I see that you're living successfully. You're a good mom. You're, you're, you got it down. I want to know how you did what you did. And I hear you have a background that's similar to mine. And I just I cannot get over it yet. I haven't forgiven or I'm stuck in addiction or I, I haven't been able to get free from, from the temptation or whatever it is. And you go to the person who's ahead of you, who's succeeded, and you say, I I need you to tell me what scriptures did you stand on? What did Jesus teach you? How did you overcome all this? Please help me. I want to know you and what Jesus did in your life. Amen. Amen. At some point, you've got to trust somebody. And you've got to receive what they say is true by faith. But God doesn't require you to have blind faith. faith real faith is never blind. Real faith is never blind. But God doesn't require you to have blind faith. He says, you go to a person you know. Paul says, you know me. Like, I haven't hidden myself from you. You know the whole story. You know me in the back room. You know me that I'm the same person whether I'm by myself with a group of five or whether I'm on stage in front of 5,000. Paul tells Timothy, you know me so you can trust me. God doesn't require that you just blindly follow somebody who tells you they know something. Know them. And then when they have proven themselves that they know Jesus and they have his heart and his character, then believe what they tell you, even if it tweaks your nose. Imitate successful people if you want to learn. Find somebody who's obeyed God and follow them. I, don't know, I know that a lot of you won't know the name, but for those of you who do know the name, uh, Ravi Zacharias passed away a few months ago and I, I'm late to the party, but I just learned this week that he's a serial adulterer, and it wrecked me, broke my heart, because he's one of the greatest preachers ever, and the most intelligent Christians ever. Does it matter 
that he cheated on his wife uncountable times? Yes, it matters. It doesn't mean that what he preached was untrue, but it matters. It matters that he didn't have integrity, that he hid his sin. God, give us preachers who've been branded in the holy place instead of made famous for intelligence. Paul said, who is made to stumble and I do not burn with indignation? I am so angry. Not at him, just for all the people who thought he was a great guy and we find out after he's gone that he's not. I'm not burning his books. I still have two or three of them in my office. And what he said is still true. But I don't respect him anymore. Like I did. It matters. The character of the person matters most. Because you are not enough for yourself. You cannot arrive at truth by yourself. We need each other. It's not a nice thought, it's a command of God that we stick together and that together we will find God. We will find truth, we will arrive at success in life. My kids need more than Sarah and I. They need Pastor Josh. They need the other kids in this church, both the ones who are walking with Jesus and the ones who aren't. My kids come home from a church event or whatever, mom, dad, did you know this? And like, no, I didn't know that. Do you want to be like that? No. Or on the other hand, mom, I had this great conversation with so-and-so and and, and it was God. And like there's the 14-year-olds are spurring one another on toward God and righteousness and, and, and they won't listen to mom and dad, but they like it when their friend says it. The same thing, but you know, that we need each other. And my kids need all the surrogate grandparents in this church family who are living in unhypocritical righteousness. I don't mean perfection, I just mean unhypocritical righteousness. Honestly trying to serve God and follow him. We need all of we as parents need all of you to tell our kids, look at look at how they did it. Do you know her backstory? Do you know what he came out of? Look, this is Jesus, this is God. And my kids have 20 and 15 years of that now and yay Jesus. My kids need the other parents in this church. We've never had serious conflict, but it's really nice to be able to say, if they don't like our decision, well, why don't you call Kathleen and see what she's doing with her kids? Let's call Karen and see what she says. You think she'll agree with mom or she'll agree with you? It it just shuts it all down. It's like, end of discussion. Well, yeah, well, Ken and Becky do it this way, and that's why we're doing it this way, and uh, uh uh-huh. We've never had any serious uh, trouble or anything. But we need each other. Sarah and I need you parents who are ahead of us because now we're getting into serious dating relationships and marriage is at our doorstep and, and I need you dads who have been through this before to just pat me on the head and say, Mitch, shut up and calm down. God will work it all out. Don't say something stupid. Like, oh, God, help me. All right, so I, I'm watching you dads who are ahead of me. We're watching. How did you, how do you parent your new daughter-in-law or your new son-in-law? And we need each other to find God. You're not alone, and you can't be alone. It won't work. You want to know truth? You've got to live in community. You've got to live in the church. 
Your life's got to be open. 1 John 1, 7. We are living in the light as God is in the light. Then we have fellowship with each other. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Notice the order of the three things in that verse. You make the decision to live in God's light. You personally make your individual faith decision. When you do that, you're going to come into fellowship with us. And as you come into fellowship with us, Jesus is going to cleanse everybody from sin. Come on. As we live together, we figure it out. And Jesus teaches us and removes us from sin. Way too many churches are, you know what? You get clean from sin, and then you can fellowship with our country club church. <laughs> Come on, we, we're good religious people, and we don't really want your kind here until you figure it out and you get right with you. No, Jesus' way is... Once somebody makes the decision to come into me, no matter how clueless, no matter how green, no matter what their worldly vocabulary is still uh, coming out of their mouth, you bring them into fellowship. And as you bring, add them to the church family, I will cleanse them because you will rub off. They'll figure it out over time. Well, so-and-so's been a Christian for six months and they really screwed this up. Okay. We'll figure it out together. Come on. Have a little mercy. Be a little gracious. Next scripture. First, 2 Timothy 2.22. Flee the evil desires of youth and pursue righteousness, faith, and love, and peace along with those who call on the Lord out of a pure heart. You cannot pursue love and righteousness and peace on your own. It can only be along with everybody else who has the same heart. There are no long-ranger Christians. You can't can't be out there by yourself being the, the YouTube Lone Ranger. No, you have to be along with those who call on the Lord. It's where you're going to find your direction in life. It's where you're going to find your identity, your companionship. Come on, people. Solitary confinement in prison is a punishment, and it makes people go crazy. Right? The lockdown is proving that we need each other. We need contact we need touch we need relationship we need friendship but people who have been in solitary confinement for a long time go crazy meaning isolation equals insanity the opposite is true the more relationships you have the clearer you will think the easier it will be for you to arrive at truth because you have more relationships that whole golden guns crowd that's going to live in their cabin in the mountains and survive the apocalypse has it exactly wrong they're 180 degrees wrong. The crazier this world gets, the more people you need to surround yourself with. Not have plans to run off and isolate yourself. No, I need more teachers. I need more friends. I need more people that I'm taking care of, more people I'm evangelizing, more people I'm serving. Because you go crazy when you isolate yourself. We need accountability to each other. Your dating should be public in the church family. I don't mean you're only allowed to date people that attend this church. I mean, it should be in front of everybody, on the up and up, accountable. This is what we're doing. This is where we're at. This is who I'm with. You're parenting, handling your money. You don't have to figure out how to handle money on your own. There's people in the church who are doing a great job on it. Ask them to mentor you. We do it together. Temptations and habits and your healing and your spiritual progress. The church is not a place you go it's not an event. It's not a meeting you attend on Sunday morning. It is a family, folks, that you belong to, the people you cannot be separated from. And it doesn't really matter what kind of style of church you attend as long as Jesus is Lord and the Bible is true. 
You can, you can go where there's choirs and stained glass and candles, or you can go where there's cowboy boots and hats, or you can go where there's run around and jump around and celebrate, or you can go to a sit-on-your-hands Baptist church if you want. I don't know why you'd want to, but if you want to, <laughs> you go right ahead. As long as Jesus is Jesus and the Bible is the Word of God, you find people that you can know, that you can trust, and then imitate them. Amen. 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 Find a place where there's fellowship, a church that has the fellowship of truth and love, Jesus and people, holiness and mercy, evangelism and discipleship, word and spirit, teaching and power. You find a church like that, you're in a good place. You're not looking for a church of perfect people. If you find a perfect church, run. <laughs> run. It's one of two things that's going to happen. You're going to screw it up because you're not perfect. Or, that's not really true, you know there's no perfect church. You have found a group of people who want to tell everybody they're perfect. And that's, that's a hell of a place. Don't go there. You're not looking for a church that presents itself as perfect. A group of perfect people who have it all together. You want people who will confess their sin but never excuse it. You want people who will confess their sin but never excuse it. You want people who will confess their sin, never excuse it. Religion will do the opposite. We're going to hide it, and we're going to excuse it. Jesus says you confess it, and you move out of it. Amen. You're not looking for a perfect people. You're not looking for skilled or gifting or anointing or intelligence. You're not looking for good religious people who have a form of godliness but deny the power. You're not looking for people who will tell you what you already know and believe. And you're not looking for people who have some new idea. Well, the church has been around for 2,000 years, but they've got it wrong because now we know the real Hebrew. And we know the real way God wants to be worshipped. Nope, the church has been here for 2,000 years. Millions of people are with Jesus. The, Paul tells Timothy, you teach the things that you heard in fr from me in the presence of many witnesses. There is no secret gospel. There is no new teaching. There is no secret knowledge. If somebody comes to you and all of a sudden you are scared that maybe, maybe I don't know Jesus, run from that person. Run from them. They are, it's an evil spirit that is trying to convince you that you, you need to know the real truth. No. Let me talk to those of you who've been burned. You have a hard time trusting a pastor or a church. You've been to so many and there's been so many terrible things happen. Like I don't, I'm not sure I could actually be plugged in or vulnerable or regular attender at a church. I, it's just been too much. Um, my answer to that is, what's new? <laughs> We've all been there. We've all been burned by a pastor who was a hypocrite. We thought we knew who he was, and we find out he's not that. Or who was mean or dictatorial or abusive or whatever. And, or elders that took over and fired a, the guy who was doing great, but because of politics or whatever in the church, then there's accusation and fighting. And 
Jesus told us, I planted my wheat field, and the devil came in the same night and filled it full of weeds, and I'm going to leave them there until I come back. Every single congregation in every single church building in the entire world has fake Christians in it. Some will have less. Some are mostly fake. Some are mostly real. But there's no perfect church. And even the ones who are genuinely following Jesus and wanting to do right hurt people. It's just a fact of life, folks. You can't give up on church. You can't give up on trusting a pastor or uh, a congregation of church family because you've been burned. And I know some of you have been burned multiple times. Sarah and I got, I was thinking through first service, I think four or five different stories we could tell of church splits and trouble. And It's just life in the wheat field. There's tares. Since you aren't perfect... You can start with a little graciousness, and then where you were genuinely wounded, you can forgive, and then you can move forward and trust, trusting Jesus, not that the church is perfect and you're not going to get hurt again. In fact, I can probably guarantee you, you will get hurt again, but it's still Jesus' command, and it's worth it. Because the people who are genuine and don't hurt you and are real, you will have communion and fellowship like you wouldn't otherwise if you just keep yourself back. And I'm not going to trust anybody. And I'm going to figure this out myself. Those kind of people don't do well, folks. You won't know that you've isolated yourself. You'll just become pointy-headed, hard-hearted, religious pinhead thinking you know Jesus and about 12 other people do and everybody else is wrong. You're missing out on a lot of love and a lot of joy. John 13, 35, by this all will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. You want to know if you're really a true Christian? Do you love Jesus' people? Love is the way to know if you know the truth. Are you full of love for God's people? Next one, Philippians 1, 9 and 11. This is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to discern what is best and pure. You see the order there? Paul prays that your love will abound into knowledge and insight and discernment. Your assignment is not to decide what you believe is true. Your assignment is to love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And as you love, it will grow into knowledge and discernment. And you will not be fooled. Because your heart is full of love rather than judgment on who's right and who's wrong. Your love is to abound. Start with love that will grow into knowledge and depth of insight so you may be able to discern what is best and you will be pure and blameless in the day of Christ. Last one, 1 Thessalonians 3, 12 and 13. May the Lord make you increase and abound in love to one another and to all just as we do so that, you may establish, so that he may establish your hearts blameless in holiness before our God and Father at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's all about love, folks. You love Jesus, you love God with all your heart, and you don't need to worry about getting sidetracked, deceived, tricked, led astray by the media or politicians or false preachers or whatever else. I just love God with all my heart. I'm loyal to Jesus. I pledge allegiance to Jesus, and I love his people. You won't get derailed. Your love will increase and abound, and you'll be blameless in holiness. Amen.
Amen. Lord, we love you. We bless you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your teaching. Thank you for showing us the way to not be led astray. Where we don't want to believe lies. We don't want to be tricked. We don't want to be deceived by stupid religious ideas or lies in the media and politics. Lord, we want to know you and we want to know your truth. And we want to know what's on your heart and your mind. Thank you that you surround us with love, that we abound in love. Lord, I pray that this church would be known as the house where love lives, that we love you, that we love each other, and that we love the lost with all of our hearts in genuine, sincere faith, not in perfection, but without hypocrisy. We want to be holy. We want to be righteous. We want to genuinely and honestly serve you with all of our hearts. We want to know you what you would have us to know and believe and do. Make us your servants and the servants of all around us. Lord, we bless your holy name. We bless everyone here with peace and love that abounds in knowledge and wisdom and all discernment. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.